All right, well, welcome, everybody. So glad, again, that you are here joining us for part of your weekend here at Skyline Church Online. My name is Jeff Nicoletti. So glad that you are here. Listen, uh, check in with us wherever you are. We've got online hosts who want to connect with you, chat with you, answer any questions that you might have. And if you are new with us, let us know. We'd love to connect with you. In fact, we'd love to send you a little gift this week just for being here with us today. And parents, do not forget, we have special kids online experiences available for your children. Just go over to skylinechurch.cc, click on the Sky Kids Online button, and it'll take you to some resources and worship experiences for your kids. Uh, Really quickly, I want to let you know about two really important dates. Two weeks from today, July 19th, you are not going to want to miss our live online experience. We've got a really important, exciting announcement in the life of our church that you are not going to want to miss. All I'm going to say is that you don't want to have to hear about it afterwards. You were going to want to join us live to be a part of that. And then mark your calendars, Sunday, August 2nd. We are reopening our building for live, in-person worship experiences. we got a lot more information coming to you on that. We want to make sure that you know that. Again, mark your calendars, Sunday, August 2nd. We'll be opening back up our building for in-person gatherings, which we're so excited for. We've been missing connecting with you. Now, today you're in for an extra special treat. I've got one of my best friends, one of my great friends here with us today. I've known him for 10, 15 years, an amazing man, loves Jesus. He is the next-gen director at our sending church, Community Church up in Loudoun County, Virginia. He's got an amazing heart for Jesus and for the next generation, and I'm excited to have him here preaching, bringing the word. So listen, church, wherever you are right now, get to your feet, get loud, and welcome to the stage right now, Mike Dacness. Hello, Skyline. I'm so excited to be here today. Again, as Pastor Jeff said, I'm a next-gen director, and what that means is that I pastor the next generation. Babies through college is what I typically speak to. So the good news is that if you're listening today, you just need to be able to learn at a third grade level, and you're going to be able to understand everything that I say today. So I'm excited that you're with us, joining us today. And I, I, when I was preparing for this message, I started thinking about the season that we're in, that ultimately we've seen a lot of things in our country. We've seen a lot of hate in our country, um, that churches around the country have been just trying to think about what is it that we can do to change what's been going on. And I truly believe that the church is the answer to the world because we have Jesus with us, that God is with us, and that the church is a movement that can change what is happening in this country, the movement that can change the hearts of people, a movement that can change the lives of people. But one of the things that I think is challenging is that as we've been talking and thinking about the idea of loving our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, that one of the hardest things about that is truly that a lot of times we have not received the love of God to the full measure in which he intends for us to receive. And so because of that, it becomes hard for us to go do this mission that we've been called to of loving other people well because we haven't received the love of God to the fullest measure. In fact, when I was thinking this week, I wrote it down this way, that until we are willing to fully receive the gift of love that God gives us, we'll never be able to mirror it back in the way that he intended for us to do it. I'm going to say that again. Until we fully receive the love and the gift of God, we will never be able to fully mirror that to other people as well. So today what we're talking about is God's love for 
you. God's love for me. And so today I want to challenge you to make this personal because here's the truth is that I grew up in church. I grew up hearing the this, this songs, like Jesus Loves Me, hearing worship songs, knowing all these different Bible verses about God's love. The, the truth is a lot of times we know information, but for some reason it becomes challenging for us to receive it for ourselves. We believe that the people who are on stage leading worship, oh yeah, it's really, God loves them so much, but it's hard for us to be willing to accept the fact that he loves us unconditionally. I want to go to scripture today. In 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I want you to think about that for a second. What God is saying is when he put this scripture together, when he had the writer write this down, he wanted to define himself for us. In scripture, he's trying to tell us exactly who he is. When you think of God, he wants you to think of this word, love. That that's who he is. It's what he does. He loves well. And what happens to us a lot of times is that we can start to twist the definition of things in our minds. And it becomes a very, very dangerous thing. I want to give you an example of this. When my son, Judah, he's turning four in just two weeks, but two years ago, when he was about to turn two, we decided to start playing a game when we were in the car driving from place to place. I thought it would be a good idea to teach him green means go and red means stop. And so every time we would get in the car, we would play this game. When we were pulling up to a light, my son would look up at the light, and if it was green, he would say, green, go. And if you see a red light, he would say, red, stop. And so there was one day where we were stopped at a light, and I was sitting there, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to be vulnerable with you for a second. I just started daydreaming. I looked off under the sky. I'm sure none of you have ever done this before. This is a sin of mine that I can sometimes daydream when I'm at a stoplight. And while we were sitting there, my son suddenly said this statement. He said, Red, go. And I started driving through this intersection. That, this really happened. And by the grace of God, I realized what was going on, and I stopped myself. But when you think about that for a moment, my son's definition of these red and green and which one was supposed to happen when got a little bit twisted for a moment. And that could have been a disaster. Now, let's be real for a second. There's like parenting was an issue there as well. Like I was the one who was supposed to be responsible in that moment. But it could have been a disaster simply because of how a definition changed in someone's mind. And it's the same thing when it comes to God. When God is defining himself as love, but we allow lies to come in and start to twist his very definition of himself, it can be disastrous for how we live our lives. It can cause us to miss out on some of the greatest opportunities that God has for our lives simply because we're misunderstanding exactly who God says that he is. So today we're going to be talking about three lies, common lies that come up against us on a daily basis sometimes that twist our understanding of God's love for us. And I want to challenge you today to open your mind, to open your heart to receiving the love that God has for you today. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for who you say you are. God, I thank you that your love is so much bigger than we can possibly comprehend. And today, God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears to be able to receive your love and to be able to receive the good things you have for us, God. Father, your word is a book of love about how you want to connect with us, how you want to love on the people that you created. God, help us to receive that love today. 
God, I pray for the people that are under the sound of my voice that today would be a new day for them where they open their eyes and they see a loving God that wants to connect with them. Jesus, we need you. We love you. I pray today that you would increase and that I would decrease, that your word would shine through this message today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to start off with a big lie, something that's very challenging for all of us to take. And the truth is that if you have never faced this lie that we're talking about, someday you will. So I ask you to please listen in and try to challenge yourself to think through this one. Because here's the first lie that often comes against us when it comes to receiving God's love. And it's this. God doesn't love me because blank happened to me. God doesn't love me because blank happened to me. And this is a powerful one. Because in this world, we've seen a lot of pain. We've seen sickness, we've seen cancer, we've seen hatred in this world, and there's been so many different things that have happened to people. And today, I want you to challenge you to think through this and to try to think of this through a different kind of lens. And today, I want, I want you to think about it through this lens, that something bad has happened to you that you faced. But even in that, I want us to challenge ourselves to think about how God is still loving, he's still holy, and he's still good. Now, that's really challenging. In fact, when, when I even wrote that down, it was something that triggered in my mind that started to fight against that truth, that God is still loving, God is still holy, and that God is still good. Because the truth is, we face hard things in this world, and we can't help but ask ourselves, God, if you're good, if you're actually loving, if you're actually holy, then why did that happen to me? Why did that happen to my family? And I want to say to you today, if that's a question that you're challenged with, if there's doubts that come up in you, there's no judgment for that. In fact, it's probably fair that you feel that question, that there's a tinge of just challenge that comes at you when you hear that, because the truth is there is a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain in this world. And it challenges us to ask God, God, why is that? I'll never forget the first time I asked myself this question. I was a 13-year-old boy. And I was standing in the basement of a cold, wet, dark funeral home, looking at the body of my best friend who was laying there on a table. And I'll never forget driving home in the backseat of my dad's car and saying to myself, God, I, I've heard the stories. I've read the Bible verses. I know that you can do anything. I know that you're loving. I know that you're holy. I know that you're good. But why that? Why that? And I want to challenge us today to really try to put in this lens that God is still loving. God is still holy. God is still good. Because the truth is, when we walk against these different issues, that God in these moments actually does something. In Scripture, we actually find in Isaiah 56, I'm sorry, 59, it says that in these moments that we're ch challenged by these things, when, when bad things come against us, the truth is that there is sin in this world. And because of that sin that comes into, has come into the world, there is pain and there's challenges that come up against us. And, and in Isaiah 59, it says, the Lord looked and was displeased. Now, I want to stop for just a moment. When I first read this verse, when I was a teenager, the first thing that popped into my mind is that the next line was going to be, that the Lord was displeased because of the sinner. 
I think it's just this thing that's pre-programmed into us because of religion is that it, we, we automatically start thinking that God is displeased with everybody and everything. But I want you to read what this says. It says that the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice in the world. He saw that there was no one and he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So when his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. You know what? I want you to get from this verse. I want you to realize that in the moments where there is injustice that happens to you, there's injustice that happens to other people in the world, when there's times where there's pain, God himself prepares for battle. Because the truth is that God does not like seeing his children in pain. God does not like seeing his children walk through challenges. And so what we read in the scripture is what God actually does. What he did so many years ago is that he sent Jesus down in the world. That he saw the pain of the world. And he chose to come down and to experience that pain with us. He called himself Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus came to this earth and walked through this planet experiencing pain just like you and I do. And I want to point this out is that the truth is there has never been a greater injustice that has happened to a man than Jesus Christ going to the cross while he was here on earth, living a perfect life, loving people well. And yet he was still nailed to a cross. But I want to remind you that our God is the only God who can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb. Our God is the only one who can take moments where we walk through pain and turn it for our good. That God is the only one that can make it so that there's been moments where you've been a victim and turn it into your victory in this life. That God sees you and that he sees your pain and he wants to do something awesome in your life through it. Because here's the truth, is that a lot of times we walk through pain and we think it's an interruption to the story that we're supposed to be living. And I want to challenge you today that the truth is it's not an interruption for your life when you walk through pain. It's actually an invitation for you to be able to step into greater victory in your life, into greater things, into greater good for your life. Because the books that we read our children, the movies that we love to see, they never start with the, 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 the main character, the hero, having a good life and everything being good and then the end. The truth is, it's that through pain and through suffering, through the challenge that that hero goes through, is where the power comes from. Watching them go from victim to victory is what makes an amazing story. And I believe with all my heart that when we walk through pain, that when bad things come up against us in our lives, that God is saying to us in those moments, he's saying, hey, listen, I know you're hurt. I know you're in pain, but I want to take this pain and use it for your good. In fact, we read in Romans that God promises that all things, all things will be used for our good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. In these moments when we walk through pain, this is a truth that I'm trying to really recognize for myself, is that in moments when I walk through pain, that in those moments, a lot of times, I question God's love because he's not doing things the way that I think he should. And in those moments, the truth is that when I'm questioning God's love and his character and who he is because he's not doing things my ways, I'm not worshiping God. I'm actually worshiping myself. 
and saying that I know better than God. And God is calling us to open our eyes and to recognize and realize that he loves us even in the moments of his pain. Because the truth is my circumstances don't alter the character of God. In fact, they point to a deeper love of how he wants to be able to take us from where we are and move us to greater places. So today I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to receive that truth in your life? Our truth for this moment is that in Christ, all things will be used for my good because God loves me. Are you willing to receive that truth for your life today? That God loves you even in moments of pain. Our second lie that we come up against is, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. And I'll go and tell you, this is a challenge and a lie that is coming up against the next generation in a crazy way. The amount of suicide that we're seeing around our country, the anxiety, the depression, the self-loathing that is coming up against, against the next generation, the, the truth is that this is a challenge that young people are facing and other people have been facing it for years the question of our worth. This lie is typically experienced because someone who was supposed to have loved us failed us. Maybe a parent was supposed to love you and didn't show up in the moments where they were supposed to. Maybe a spouse was supposed to love you and failed to do, do so. And when we lose value, when we experience moments where somebody who is supposed to love us doesn't love us, it challenges us with not being able to believe that we have value, that we are worthy of love. Now, I want to tell you guys a story to help us kind of engage with this a little bit. Some years ago, about 10 years ago, when I was in college, I was working, um, trying to make money for college. So I was working at a restaurant. I was a waiter. And one night, I was told that I was going to be running the cashier. And so that night, I'm sitting at the cashier. I'm taking money in. I'm giving money out. And a man walked into the building wearing a mask a hood, and gloves. Now, the mask in this moment probably wouldn't seem that weird, but at that moment, it definitely seemed weird 10 years ago seeing somebody walk in a mask. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the thought popped in my head, it'd be really funny if this guy decided to rob me. Well, this moment came across where he walked up to the register, he pulled out a gun, he aimed it at me and said, give, it, give me all your money. And I'll go ahead and tell you what I did is I hit the button, I backed up, and I said, go for it, buddy. Like, no problem. Just go, go ahead and take it. Do you, do you want some wings as well? Like, whatever you need, I'll make sure that you have it tonight. Now, every time I tell this story to middle schoolers, a sixth grader always says to me, well, well why didn't you fight him? Well, because it wasn't my money, stupid. Like, the, the issue that I'm walking up against is that this is not important. Like, that's not my money. Mr. Buffalo certainly has money. He can go ahead and take whatever money he has right here. It's not my problem. Now, if he had asked for my wallet, well, that's where I would have drawn the line. And I'll go and tell you why that is. It's not because I had money in my wallet, because I didn't. It's not because I had credit cards in my wallet, because I didn't. It's because my license is in my wallet. And if he took my wallet, I was going to have to stand in line at the DMV for hours, and I would rather be shot 26 times than to, give, than to have to go stand in line at the DMV. That's just the truth. Is that, like, that's a challenge for me. Now, if you work at the DMV, like, we love you. We're glad that you're here. We're excited to have you today. But it's just a challenge because here's the truth that we need to recognize is that when something is valuable to us, we're willing to lay our lives down for it, aren't we? And the truth is, is that the value of something is based on the, the, the willingness of someone being able to pay that cost for, somebody's, for something, 
So as an example of this, a, a painting, some paintings sell for millions of dollars. And I'll be honest with you, when I look at a painting that sells for millions of dollars, I go, really? Like, that was worth millions of dollars? But to somebody, it was. Somebody paid that cost for a painting. In which case, that means that that painting is worth what it was paid for. I was looking at um, LeBron James's last, um, last um, deal that he made with the Lakers, and he signed a deal for four years, $153.3 million. Now, the question that we need to ask ourselves in hearing that is that, is he worth that? Well, according to the Lakers, he is worth that. The, the worth of something is based on the willingness and the cost that is willing to be paid for it. And I want to point out to us that the value of something is determined by the price that's being willing to be paid for it. And the Bible tells us that God himself demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. While we were still sinners, Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. And so I challenge us to think in this moment, if the truth is that the value of something is based on the willingness of someone to pay the cost for it, and God himself laid down his own life for you, how much does that mean you're worth? To God, you are worth everything, worth laying down his own life for. So as this lie fills our minds of your worth and your value, whether or not you are worthy of God's love, God himself chose and said that it was a cost that he was willing to pay to lay down his life to be connected with you. Your value is so much greater than you can see, and God himself has proven it by the cost in which he was willing to be paid. The truth that we need to grab onto this moment is that in Christ, I am loved and I am valuable. Now, this question of our worth oftentimes is connected with the next lie that we're facing in this. And, and the, the next lie is this simple statement. My mess is simply too big. My sin is too great. You, you, Mike, Mike you, you, it's great that you're saying all these things, and it's wonderful, and it's awesome that God loves people. But you just don't know what I've done. The truth is that there are some people who walk into church feeling like they are lesser than other people that are there because of what they've walked through, what they've done, what they've experienced. And I want to challenge you today that no matter how big the mess that you have made in your life is, that God himself sees you, that he knows, that God always knew what you would do in your life and that he chose to create you anyway which speaks of the value that you have. Now, now it, I, I want to I kind of bring this into an example as well. If you've ever bought a new car before, I want you to just think about this for a moment. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my life. I'm going to get vulnerable again, okay? I'm going to tell you about my family because I come from a family that walks and drives clunker cars. Like, we just, we're in them all the time. My, I'm just going to give you an example of this. My dad, when he picked up my mom for their very first date, he pulled up in a car that didn't have a floor on the passenger seat. So my mom literally got into this car, and there was no floor. She could see the road as he, they were driving together. And because there were leaves that would fly through the air vents, 
My dad thought it would be a good idea to stick a pair of his own underwear in the air vent to try to block the leaves from coming into the car. This is the family that I come from. This is the legacy that I'm a part of. And that, that sin, that issue, that sickness was passed on to me. I've driven so many clunker cars. And there was one time where I was driving on around a car. It was, the, it was the, the hottest part of summer. The AC just didn't work. There was no music that worked in the car. I had, there was a mirror that was missing on the driver's side. I, it was a mess. And this car broke down on me. And I said to myself, hey, you know what? What has been doesn't have to always be for me in my life. So I'm going to go and I'm going to buy myself a new car. I was so excited. I went to the dealer. I bought myself a decent car. And I was so excited because the AC worked. The radio worked. There were mirrors on every side. It was beautiful. The windows came up and down by power. It was just one of the greatest moments of my life. And just a couple days into owning this car... I did something dumb. I pulled up to an ATM trying to get money out of the ATM, and I was so used to driving the clunker car that didn't have a mirror that I pulled up to the ATM and I smacked the mirror right off my car. And I want to tell you, after I had just bought this car, it made me sick to my stomach. I got out of the car. I looked at the mirror. I wanted to throw up. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And I, I went to work. I tried to block it out of my mind. And I came outside of work. I had a good day, and I see the car, and it immediately in that moment made me feel sick again. And this is a lot like what sin can do to our lives, that we could be having a great day, and then we see her, or we see him, or that song plays that takes us right back to that moment of one of the greatest mistakes we've made. And in that moment, we automatically get into this thought process of saying, my mess is just too big. There's no chance that God could ever love someone like me. And I want to tell you today, that the scripture says to us in Romans 8 that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. I think one of the biggest reasons why in these moments we sit in condemnation is because the truth is we're the only ones who know all the things that we've done. We're the ones who know the thoughts that other people don't know that we've had. We're the ones who know about what we said to our spouse how we treated our children, how we treated a parent. But this scripture tells us that in Christ, if we know Christ, if we've received him and his salvation, that there is no condemnation that can come up against our lives. But is that a truth that we're willing to receive today for our lives, that God has no condemnation for us In John, 1 John 4, it says that this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That it was never about us being able to clean ourselves up. It was never about us being able to put all the pieces together for ourselves. That instead, he knew that he was the only one who could take our mess and turn it into something good. That he was the only one that was able to come down into the world and change the direction of our lives. That the truth is, until we're willing to receive his love, we'll never be able to turn our lives around. I know that there are people who are listening right now that have thought about taking a next step in this church, being baptized, joining the dream team, but there's been something that has held you back because you think you're not worthy and that your life is too big of a mess. And I want to tell you today 
that God sees you, that he knows you and he loves you exactly where you are, and that by receiving his love, you'll be able to start making changes that you've been trying to make. The truth is that we need to receive today is that in Christ, I am completely forgiven and I am unconditionally loved. Now, I want to be honest with you. I have a tough time unconditionally loving people. Even today, as I was driving here on 64, I was driving in the left lane, and there was somebody in front of me who didn't know the rules of the left lane. (laughs) And in that moment, I was challenged of how to unconditionally love somebody. I have a hard time unconditionally loving seventh graders who don't wear deodorant. It's a challenge that I have. Knowing how to unconditionally love somebody. But you know who I don't have a hard time unconditionally loving? Is my two children, Judah and my daughter, Isley. And I want to speak to somebody who might be a parent out there that can understand this. That the truth is that there's been nothing that my children have done to make it so that they deserve my love. There's nothing that they've ever done that makes it deserve that, my love. In fact, when they came into the earth, they came into this world not kindly. They came in with an attitude. There's never been a child in the history of mankind that at three in the morning was thinking to themselves, hey, mom, I, I, I want you to be able to sleep tonight. I'm, don't worry about feeding me tonight. No, instead, they come to the world with an attitude, challenging us, screaming, crying, desiring things, wanting things, trying to get everything that they desire. Yet I don't love them because they deserve it. I love it because of the position that they hold in my life. And in the same way, as a child of God, God himself loves you not based on what you've done, not based on your worthiness of him, but actually based on the position that you hold in his life and in his heart. I want to end with this story. When my son was two years old, I had the pleasure of every morning walking into his bedroom and getting him up, taking him downstairs, getting him ready for the day. But one morning I walked into his room and as soon as I opened the door, a smell hit me. In that moment, I got almost stepped back. And I don't wanna go into detail, but I'm just gonna say that my son had gotten very sick during the night. And when I say very sick, I mean that he had made a mess all over his bed. It was all over his clothes, all over his body. It was on the floor. It was on the walls. And in that moment, I felt just a little bit grossed out. That wasn't until the moment that my son looked at me and turned to me and put his hands up in the air and said, Daddy. Now let me tell you what I didn't do in that moment. What I didn't do is I didn't look at him and say, Daddy, no, 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 no. Why don't you clean up this mess that you've made and then come tell me that I'm your daddy. In that moment, once you've cleaned everything up, then I'll receive you as my son. No. In that moment, I saw my son and knew that his mess wasn't greater than my position as his father. And what I did is I walked up to my son. I picked him up in his mess. I cleaned him up in his mess. I loved him in that moment. In that same way, God today sees you. He knows what you've done. 
And today, he wants to pick you up in your mess, cleanse you himself, put you back together again in his love. The truth is that God sees you. That no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you. And God wants you to be able to receive his love today. And until the moment comes that you receive his love, you'll never be able to go out and shine his love. No, first, we have to be able to stop and say, God, I believe that you love me. I believe that you see me. I believe it's to a greater measure than I know and I understand and be willing to receive it. So today, I wanna ask you this question. Are you willing to receive God's love for your life today? Maybe for the very first time, you wanna be able to say, God, I believe in you and I believe you love me. I wanna receive your love. Or maybe it's today that you need the reminder that God sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he made you on purpose, he made you with purpose, he made you for a purpose. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you that is so much bigger and greater than anything we could understand. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would take lies that are in our minds and that you would change them to truth by your Holy Spirit today. God, open our eyes, open our ears to be able to receive your love, God. We need you. We need you to open our eyes. We need to be able to see you so that we can go out and be able to share your love with others today, God. Thank you for your love. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, wherever you are right now. If you're ready to receive that love, if you're ready to, to receive, look, in the middle of all your mess, in the middle of everything going on right now, head bowed, hearts open. If that's you today, you're ready to receive the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Wherever you are right now, just put a hand up. Jesus, I pray right now for every person ready to receive your love, ready to receive arms wide open, welcoming them home. Come on, church. Begin to lift up a shout of praise for the lives being turned around in Jesus' name, getting picked up out of their mess, getting picked up out of whatever their situation is. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We pray all of these things in your grave, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Really quickly, one of the best things you'll ever do is be inspired to make change and then take a step forward in that change. So here's what I want to do right now. If that, if that was you today saying, Pastor, I, I, I'm ready to receive love and forgiveness that that's me today listen there's a little button that you can click and let us know and say hey that was me we love to connect with you pray with you partner with you in this in this faith journey maybe you're following jesus for the first time or maybe you're coming home for the first time in a long time let me just tell you right now all of heaven is celebrating and your heavenly father stands with arms wide open saying son daughter welcome home and this church stands and celebrates with you so come on church begin to celebrate for every person stepping home today well, amen amen 
Hey, right where you are, if you haven't done it already, let's just give one more big shout, shout out, round of applause for Mike Dacness today for bringing an amazing word. Mike, thank you for being here, for sharing. Awesome. Well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna end the same way that we do each and every week, an opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings. Now listen, if you're new with us, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we just really hope that this experience today was our gift to you. But if you do call Skyline your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. Now there's two really easy ways that you can give. You can give online or through our app. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Now church, you have been so generous in this season, generous to our city, generous to our families. And listen, I want to encourage you, the church can be generous when its people are generous. So continue to be faithful, continue to be consistent, continue to be generous so that the church can continue to be faithful and consistent and generous to our city. I want to let you know we've got a really awesome opportunity coming up. We've got a couple of hundred shirts and articles of clothing that we're getting ready to, to give away and give out to different organizations here in our city. Just another way for us to be able to bless people, care for people in this season. We'll be giving you some information on that so that you can be a part of helping us do that. Now, listen, before we go, I want to remind you really quickly, mark your calendars, Sunday, July 19th. You do not want to miss being live with us online that Sunday. We've got a big, exciting announcement for the life of our church that you are not going to want to hear after the fact. You're going to want to be live with us. And then mark your calendar. Sunday, August 2nd, we are reopening our building for in-person worship experiences. Church, we're so excited to have you in the room with us, lifting up the name of Jesus. It's going to be incredible now here's what i want to do i want to close this with a blessing so wherever you are put your hands up and just i pray that you'll receive this jesus i pray right now that your very spirit and presence would go before your people would surround your people holy spirit i pray that your very presence would fill and empower and embolden your people and that heavenly father you would cause your good face to shine upon us and give us peace and rest until we gather together again in Jesus' name. Church, we love you. We miss you. We can't wait to be together with you. Have an amazing week. Bye.